Y'all have been talking about the story of salvation. Luke is, is where you've been at. And uh, Luke would speak to the Gentiles, and he would say that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And that's kind of what he was trying to get across. Luke was a physician, and you want somebody to pay attention to details when they're your doctor, right? Okay? Like, if, if the, tr- okay, in where I live at, we have to take our trash to the dump. Is that how it works out here? Or do you guys have trash collection out here? Okay. All right. So, so, you know, it's okay for anybody to empty your trash, right? But when they're going to operate on you, you want to make sure they know what they're doing, right? And so I've been blessed with some doctors over the years who um, explain things to me way above my pay grade. In fact, they kind of lose me just a little bit. And they have long explanations, but they're good doctors. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with long explanations if you know what you're doing, and they do. And so Dr. Luke wanted to make sure the, st- the story of salvation was accurate. I think that he, that he interviewed witnesses. He interviewed Mary. He, he talked to people. And, and under the Holy Spirit, he wrote this book that comes out of very, very detailed a detailed account of Scripture. Luke chapter 1 is, can be maybe the story of, of two pregnancies, right? And so um, I think back to uh, when my wife was pregnant, so the nine-month period, right? And it's, it, I'm sure for ladies who've been pregnant, it, it, it goes by very slow. But for us nervous men, it goes by very fast. And we kind of wonder, like, what's going to happen next? I think it was right at two weeks before my daughter was born, and I said, honey, I'm not sure I'm ready to do this. <laughs> you don't have a choice anymore, you know. Our daughter's coming whether you want to or not. For you young people, one school year. Nine months is about, about the time of one school year, right? And so, um, you know, we, we, we have this going on in this chapter, about a nine-month time lapse. And so we start with a childless couple, whose prayer was to have, have, have a child. And if you go back and, and you have Zechariah and you have, you have Elizabeth and, and, and they want a child so bad. And then we have um, the angel Gabriel visiting him while he was doing his priestly duties. And Luke says this in very early, he says, he will turn many of the children of Israel, the Lord their God. He'll go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn hearts of the fathers to the children disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so as we look at Scripture, we realize that we had, we had a 400-year period where, where nobody really heard from God. They didn't know what's going on. I don't know about you, but if I have a day period without knowing what's going on, it's a, it's a long time. But 400 years was a long time. And then the, the first they hear of this is Gabriel talking to Zechariah and saying, you're going to have a son. And he kind of quotes this verse, part of this verse from, from Malachi about, about, hey, this is going to be your son. Wow, childless. No son to my son's going to prepare the way for the Lord. It's a pretty important thing. And you remember what happened. He's like, are you, are you sure about this? And so you know what? You're not going to talk. So I'm not going to ask how many wives would not want their husband to talk for nine months, okay? I'm not going to ask the husbands the opposite question, okay, because we don't want to leave here 
disjoined today. We want to leave here joined in Jesus, right? So we're going to put all this stuff about the north and the south away, okay? All this stuff about basketball teams away. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to come to God's word today. Zachariah can't talk for nine months. About six months into the pregnancy, Mary is visited by the angel and told of her special pregnancy. And she says, let it be to me according to your word. Mary visits Elizabeth, and that's when the, 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 the baby in her leaps in her belly. John is born, and they go to name him, and they want to name him after the dad. They want to name him Zeke Jr., right? And they said, no, we're going to call him John. And they said, lady, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and, and he motions, give me something to write, and he says, his name is John. And right then, he can, he can speak, right? All of a sudden, now he's speaking again. And people are like, wow, what, what's going on here? What's happening that, that all of a sudden, there's a baby not named Zeke Jr. This is a guy who hadn't talked in nine months and he's talking. And this, this, this must be something special. And we get this prophecy in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. We hear a dad who is eight days old speaking about his son. Let me ask this question to you as we get started. What good does your father say about you? What good does your earthly father say about you? What does or did they say to you? Now, I'm walking lightly here because I realize sometimes, sometimes some people do not have a good relationship with their father. Sometimes it's, 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 it's tough. Yesterday, we, we had a funeral for a guy at our church, and uh, his, his sister wrote a letter. She couldn't be there, and I, I got to read it. And it said, basically, I know our dad was bad. I know you bore the brunt of that. And, I, and, and, and there's some things, when we have good and bad, that we never kind of outlive in, in, in our lives from our father. But first a moment today, I wanted to say, what good? Let's start with what's good. Best parenting advice I ever got, and the one of the hardest to follow is this. My job is to show the unconditional love of Christ to my child. That's hard. It's easy when your kids obey, right? Parents are like, yeah, kids are like, well, you talking about obey? What? I'm not sure about all this now. Luke 1, 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. Verse 72, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you'll go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people the forgiveness of their sins because of this tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit, 
and he was in the wilderness until the day of its public appearance to Israel. Father God, as we just uh, dive into your word, may you meet with us, may you show us, may you enlighten us, may you uh, spread the joy of your word into our hearts. May you overcome um, the obstacles we place in our lives, the obstacles against us. May you shine bright. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've got this first glimpse of this new dad. He can talk for the first time. So there's two miracles that just happened. He had a, he had a son. So him and his wife were barren and they have a child. And then he can't speak for nine months and then he can speak again. And the first thing he does is he starts praising God. And he talks specifically about the Christ child. He talks about the Savior of the world first. How appropriate that when good things happen to us, we start with praising God. Amen. Verse 68 it says that he would visit and redeem his people. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen the glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of, do you remember this? Full of what? Grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the only God, or the one and only Son who's at the Father's side. He has made him known to us. What happens here? What happens at, at Christmas now? What are we really celebrating? We're celebrating that, that, that God came in flesh. You see, before that, we, 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 we people thought, well, we don't really know God. We really can't see God. We, in the Old Testament, they saw God, what happened to them? They're going to die, right? They're, they're getting really scared. You know, the prophets saw the, the backside of God, it says. But then Jesus came. He came to make God known. God in flesh. He came to redeem Redeem means to regain something in exchange for a payment. If you're going to redeem something, it's going to cost you something. And we find out later that in, in, in Paul's writings, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came in in grace and truth. You know, it's, it's comforting to know that you and I cannot do it on our own. Sometimes we, we think we can. We have it all together. Sometimes we, we think, oh, I, I can do this. And there are things that, that that's, that's, that's true, okay? Like if you're, if you're playing basketball, you're going to say, oh, I can make this shot. Now, now, very rarely does anybody make every shot in the game. There's a couple games like that, okay, that's over history. You can look back and Google it, Maybe, maybe less than a handful of games where a person has not missed a shot the whole game. They've made every shot they've taken in the game. And that's a lot of years of basketball, and it's, it's one shot. And I will say this, just, as, just an aside, one of them's a Duke player, okay? I just going to put that in there. When you Google it, you'll see a Duke player, okay? All right? So it's important, though. But when it comes to life, the great news is this, is that God knows we're not perfect. God knows that, that, that we fall short. And he says, okay, well, let me make a way for you. Let me redeem your life. And Jesus, the Christ child, came not just to be born in the manger, but to, but to die in our place, that we would have God's righteousness. 
Um, another thing is this that we see about, about the Christ child. He was, he was promised, right? It says that he was, he was raised up from, from David. So one of, the prop, one of the prophecies in Scripture, one of the covenants in Scripture is that, is that, that the, the Messianic line would come through David. That a horn would be raised up from David. That horn is a, a symbol of strength. And so you think of an animal who has horns and it, it's, it's strength, um, it, it, that kind of thing. The prophets spoke. Isaiah says, for, us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. Verse 73, it says, it says, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Once again, we have another name of scripture, another covenant mentioned. Abraham covenant, bless them and bless thee. That out, of, out, of your, out of you, all nations will be blessed. So look for the Messiah. It had to be something from David's line, but also from Abraham. And we look back over, over scripture and we see this. God wants us to look at him in a historical consciousness. Two big words, okay? But this is what it means. It means that we see that God has acted before in our behalf, and we believe he will act again in our behalf. As God uses your life and my life, we're called according to his purpose. As he uses your life, it says God will work all things together for good to those who love them. He says, hey, remember, I've already fulfilled these promises, and I'm going to keep on filling, fulfilling promises. It says that, um, verse 74, it says that being delivered from the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear. Delivered means rescued. Let me ask you a question. How do we, how do we serve God without fear. What are you scared of? How many of here in here are scared of the dark? Anybody? How many of you are scared of what's in the dark? That's what I'm scared of, right? How many of you have, don't raise your hand, just think this question through, how many of you have anxiety in your heart this morning? Now, I'm not talking about heavy, heavy stuff. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about, you might say, well, I struggle with like PTSD, right? I'm not talking about something like that. That's, that's tough. All right. I'm just talking about like little bits of anxiety. Things like maybe, maybe parental anxiety, you'd say a work anxiety, like I'm not sure if I'm good enough anxiety. Or I'm worried about where my kids are going to end up anxiety. All of a sudden we say, how, what does it mean to, to have a little bit of anxiety and fear? Anxiety and fear are pretty close, right? If we're not careful, it's a little bit of fear. And so right here it says that, that we may, we've been delivered, we might serve him without fear. And you get to this idea, like in, in God's word of this, the new covenant, where we serve God from the desires of our heart. That's what God wants. John says that we would worship in spirit and truth. Not just, not just worship, because if I don't worship, I'm going to be crushed. We worship 
because, because God has worked in our hearts and our lives. And we're thankful for it. This morning when you, when you sing these songs, these worship songs when we sang, when we come here and read scripture together, we come because, because God has led us here, right? We come because God loves us. We come because he's fulfilled promises in the past and he's moving to the future to do that as well for us. Delivered, rescued, serving God from the heart. First part of his prophecy was praising God. You sent us a Messiah. The second part is he speaks as a proud papa. Verse 76 says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. I mean, it's a little bit of, a little bit of, 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 of like dad in there, right? Like, huh, you're the prophet of the Most High. You'll go before the Lord to prepare his ways. What did, what did John the Baptist do? He was preparing. He was the forerunner of Christ. He would urge repentance. As we come to know Jesus, we said, you know what? My life's not working out anymore. I need, I need what you have, God. To give knowledge of salvation, verse 77, to his people and forgive sins. Hey, to let you know that there's some hope out there for you. John's going to go out there and he's going to, he's going to, Start this discussion. He's going to yell it out loud. You know John the Baptist as an adult? He was a little bit weird, right? He dressed weird. He probably even, as like me, probably talked a little weird. He, he, you know, he, was just, he was just somebody else. And yet he was there with a mission, a forerunner. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Verse 79, I love this verse, to, to give light to those who sit in darkness. Man, the Bible has this theme of light and darkness, right? About how, about how, how darkness represents evil and light is, is where Jesus shines the light. And then verse 79 says, guide our feet to, to peace. I don't know about you, but I like peace, right? Now, if we're not careful, we just say, peace at any price. I'm, not, I'm just going to, I don't want to ever confront anybody. I, I like that kind of peace as well, too. I'm not a natural confronter. I like to keep at peace. I like, to, I like, I like our house to be, to be, to be quiet. Uh, my wife's culture is loud and vibrant. <laughs> when I come home, the TV's on uh, high volume. I'm like, wow, why? Because she just likes the noise in the house. She might not even be watching it, and I'm just like, I can't even, I can't even think, right? I, can't, I don't know what's going on in here right now, right? Um, I, I like to be, I like to be quiet. And, 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 and when I go to my room to, to, I like to be somewhere in the house where it's quiet. So I go to the room and I shut the door behind me. It keeps the dogs out, keeps the kids out, but it doesn't keep my wife out. She comes in the room, right? And she leaves, um, and she leaves the door open. And I was like, well, the door was closed when you came in. Can you just shut it behind you? Cause why? Cause I want it. Not that kind of piece, right? That piece is, that piece is just, just temporary, and that's just a little bit of, of me and who I am. But, but a peace that, that passes all understanding. A peace that, that God says, this is what I want you, peace I give to you. Not like the world gives, but, but, but don't let your heart be troubled. A peace uh, that, that, that it's going to be okay in the midst of tough times. It's a lot of stuff about the Christ child, the Messiah. A lot of stuff about John the Baptist. 
But I want to I want to kind of wrap up today with what does it mean for us now? And I want to quote a I want to quote a line from John the Baptist in the book of John when he says this, he must increase but I must decrease. So what happens is John is doing his ministry and they realize that people are leaving his ministry to follow the Messiah. And he's like, this is a good thing. This is what I came for. Man, that's hard. That's hard for a pastor when, when somebody leaves church and goes somewhere else. You're like, wait a minute. What, what, am I just chopped liver now? What, what does this mean? And yet God's assignment for us in that period is over for that person. And he has somebody else that he wants us to, somebody right in front of us that he wants to. I told my wife this morning on the way over here, I said, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell, say this, but man, I only had 10 kids eat group on Wednesday night. I'm like, but I have, to, I, have to, I have to minister to who's with me at that time, in that period. What does it mean for us? Christ redeems us and he rescues us and we are his instruments. John would say this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And what was he doing? He was saying, hey, don't look at me, look at Jesus. So if he's going to increase in our life, we use our life to shine off Jesus, not us. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't have to try hard? If you play, play sports, I don't go all out. No, you, you do everything you do for the glory of God. Amen. And so what you want to do is when you, when you shine, you want to shine the light on, on Jesus. So you take it off yourself, and you say, okay, this is Jesus. This is, this is why, this is who. We shine our light, not in fear, but who else in front of us. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine before men. They may see your good deeds. They may glorify your God in heaven. Whoever's in front of you, that's who you shine your light to. Bless you. We use our reach, our scope of who we are, to, to show off Jesus. Now, this is, this, is, this is tough. People who research say that you'll have, you'll have five close friends at any time in your life, okay? Now, my wife would say that she would call them your shovel friends. You know what that means? Hey, I've got a body here. You got, you got your shovel? And they come, they come and help you, okay? No question. Now, hold on. I'm not authorizing that, okay? I'm just saying, you know who you're going to call when you're in trouble. The worst that happens, you do it. Now, those five friends, they may change over your lifetime. But at any given time, you probably have three to five of those friends. Now, you who are in middle school and high school, rapidly coming upon you, these friends will change. So right now, you have three to five really good friends. So right now, use your time to invest in them because when you get out of middle school, high school, some of them won't be your friends anymore. Um, I, I keep up with about two people that I was friends with in high school. Okay. Now, every once in a while, I might see somebody on social media, that I, but, but I keep up with them. And we're not close friends anymore, but I keep up with them. But I have... Um, I have I have some friends who, who I'm, hopefully, I'm going to drop by anything I can if they, if they need me to come. And uh, uh, that's, just, that's just how, now, you'll have 15 of 20 people beyond that who you'll see often, 
and you'll be friendly with, but not quite the ones you're going to call in your toughest times. And then you'll have maybe 150 people that you come across in a year that are your, your friends towards you. Say, hey, I'm your friend. Good to see you kind of thing. But beyond that, they say, you really can't, you really can't uh, handle more than that. So go on Instagram and Facebook, pick, up, pick an athlete out, pick an entertainer out, and see how many friends they have, all right? how many followers they have. It's like hundreds of thousands of people. They're not their friends, right? They might say, oh, look at me. I'm one of the followers, but they're not in their five. And so we let sometimes those people dictate what we do, right? We're like, well, I want, I want this. And so you pick an entertainer, you pick a, 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 an athlete. I don't have to name any. There's plenty of them out there. You might follow them, know about them, but you're not your friends. Shine the light to those three to five people. Whoever's in front of you, shine the light to. Now, so if you go to Guatemala Mission Strip, you know, those right then, now, now she's probably one of my five now, but she wasn't when I first met her, right? I mean, I was hoping she would be, you know what I'm saying, but she wasn't then. And so, but whoever's in front of me, I'm shining the light to. That's different because I'm going to be th- somewhere and, and my mission there is, is to do that. And so um, keep that in mind. Witness God's repeatable grace in your lives. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He said the Messiah would come through Abraham. He said the Messiah would come through David. He said there's going to come a day when people worship him with their, with their hearts. And that's what he works on. That's what he knows. That's what he does, and he wants us to follow him. What would your father say about you? You know, I was blessed to have one of those good dads. And my father at my ordination stood in front of my church and said this, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Amen. It meant a lot to me. I knew, I knew it, but to hear him say that uh, meant a lot to me. But you know what? My heavenly father said that a long time before my earthly father said that. <laughs> Romans 5 says, but he demonstrates his love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Talk is cheap. Actions are louder, right? And Jesus gave his life for us. Our rescue will come from God who loves it, loves us. He's done it before. He will do it again. Church, this morning, I want to encourage you. As you look at what Zechariah said about the Christ child and about John the Baptist, that, that, that God says something about you as well. And he sent Jesus for nobody else, maybe but for you. And so I would, I would leave this to you before we pray, that if you don't know Jesus, wow, you're in a place with people who follow him, and they would love to tell you about him. That God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Father God, as we stop this sermon today, stop this portion of scripture, it goes on, Lord. And next week we celebrate Luke chapter 2 and, and the baby in the manger. And then, then Easter time, we're going to celebrate the, the, what the death and resurrection means for, uh, for us. 
And I pray, Lord, that, that today we'll draw close to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.